0: Thank you for listening to the Writers Guild of Alberta podcasts. The following episode was recorded in 2020 as part of the WGA's online reading series sponsored by the Rosé Foundation. The audio quality may differ from recording to recording. We want to thank the authors and hosts for their permission to share these audio-only episodes with you and thank the Rosé Foundation again for their generous support.
1: I'd like to start off with a huge thank you to the Rosé Foundation for making this online reading series possible we really wouldn't be able to do it without them. And it means so much to all of us at the WGA, as well as to all of the authors, especially the authors who've had their readings and book launches delayed due to COVID. Now I would like to introduce this evening's author, Nancy Bell. Nancy M. Bell lives near Balzac, Alberta with her husband and various critters. She works with and fosters rescue animals She has publishing credits in poetry, fiction, and nonfiction, with over 17 novels and numerous magazine articles and poetry. Nancy has worked with young and developing authors of all ages to offer advice and support on their journey to publication. She has worked as a story coach with the Alexandra Writers' Center Society. She writes in the following genres, YA fantasy, YA historical fiction, historical romance, contemporary romance, and has edited manuscripts in most fiction genres. So before we really get started, um, I'd like to encourage those of you watching to type any questions you have in the YouTube chat. I will be keeping an eye on that, Um, and we can get to those questions during our Q&A. So Nancy, would you like to tell us a little bit about your book before jumping into your reading?
0: Sure. So um, Dead Dogs Talk, the book, there we go, (laughs) is the second book in the Alberta Adventures. The first one is called Wild Horse Rescue. And it basically, um, it's a young uh, teenage Alberta girl and she wants to stop some wildies from being rounded up and uh, sent to slaughter basically. So Dead Dog's Talk kind of picks up where that book ends. And she's in her last year of high school and her and her friend are out riding and they discover uh, an injured dog. And this this actually happened to a friend of mine, which was kind of the kernel that sort of uh, inspired me to write this book. And it deals with uh, dogfighting rings. And it doesn't get really graphic or anything. It just kind of deals with the fact that it is it does exist in Canada. And, um, yeah, it, it's kind of this series kind of has a, a theme behind it that's just sort of um, these things are happening and we should be uh, speaking out about them, whether you agree or you disagree with them um, you should be aware that they are happening. So it's kind of, but it's definitely, it's, it's YA and there's horses and dogs and barrel racing and all kinds of stuff in it.
1: Okay. Um, so what what do you have to, to read for us? Where in the book are we going to hear from?
0: Uh, From the beginning, because that's kind of, um, what happens sort of dictates the rest of the story and pushes it forward. Okay. So there is a dedication, of course, uh, just for all the animals who suffer at the hands of man and from neglect. They have no voice. We must be their voice, and we must speak loudly for them. Chapter one. Laurel surveyed the buckskin prairie rolling away from her toward the purple-hued Rockies in the distance. She inhaled the familiar scent of dry grain, stubble and dust with underlying notes of cool brought on the wind from the west. I know it sounds lame, but have you ever seen anything so beautiful? Laurel turned and spoke to Carly, her best friend. I love this time of year. The sky is just so, so blue, and the aspens are all turning gold. Carly nudged her mare up beside Laurel's Sam, the saddle leather creaking as she shifted her weight. Laurel grinned at her. Let's ride down by the river under the trees. The girls turned the horses away from the harvested barley field and followed the warm path along a fence line toward the coulee. The truck snaked around and followed the gravel range road before detouring around a stand of aspen crowding the fence. Laurel turned Sam toward the path that dipped down the slope of the coulee. Hey, Laurel, wait up. Laurel pulled up and twisted in the saddle to see what was holding Carly up. What's wrong? She pivoted Sam on the narrow trail and moved back to where Carly was sitting motionless. What? You okay? Laurel drew even with her friend and let Sam halt beside the mare. Look. Carly motioned toward the aspens and low bushes that what I think it is? Her voice choked off. I don't see. Laurel nudged Sam a few steps closer and leaned down, trying to see what was upsetting Carly. Oh my god, she piled off her horse, dropping the reins to ground-tie the gelding. Shoving her way through the tangled bushes, she halted by a bent aspen tree, tied by its neck to the lowest branch was a brindled dog. Blinking back tears, Laurel reached in her jacket pocket and pulled out her jackknife. Muttering words her father would frown at, she started to saw at the thick rope. Who would do something like this? Carly's voice trembled as she pushed through the long grass and brush. The poor thing. I hope it didn't suffer. She stuffed a hand against her mouth. The dog's head flopped to the side when the rope finally parted and the limp body collapsed onto the trodden grass. Laurel dropped to her knees and began loosening the noose around the thick neck. It's dead, Laurel. What are you doing? Let's go. We should tell someone. What if whoever did this comes back? Carly started edging back toward the horses. I don't care. The least we can do is take this damned rope off of her. Laurel pulled the noose free and sat back on her heels. Poor baby. Look at the scars on her face and the wounds all over her. Makes me so mad I could just spit. Shit. The limp body gave a shuddering convulsion and the unfocused eyes fluttered. and Laurel scrambled backward. Carly, she's alive. The dog's alive. Come help me. We should go and get help, Laurel. What if the thing is vicious or has rabies? Carly hesitated at the edge of the trees. We can't leave her like this. She might run off before we can get back when she's recovered a bit. She needs a vet. We need to take pictures of everything. Damn, I should have thought of that before I touched anything. Laurel pulled her phone out of her pocket and took pictures of the rope and the dog in the area while keeping an eye on the dog who panted in rasping breaths. Keep breathing, girl. Keep breathing. She edged closer to the dog, reached out cautiously and straightened out a front leg that was twisted under a broken tree limb. The dog lifted her head and Laurel froze with her hands still on the leg. Get back! Carly's voice was shrill. It's fine. She's not even growling. I think she's too weak to do much more than just lie there. Now what do we do? It's getting late. Look at the sun. Carly waved an arm toward the western horizon where the sun hovered at hand's width above the shorn barley. Call Chance. He can bring the truck. Laurel released the dog's leg and stood up. I don't know if he will even come, Carly was doubtful. You know how he gets. Call him, will you? I'm going to call Dr. Sam and let him know we're bringing in an injured dog. Laurel scrolled through her phone to the vet's number. She glanced up at Carly and scowled. Call your damn brother, Carly. If he says no, we'll figure something else out. He can't bite you over the phone. Hey, Amy, she responded when the vet's receptionist picked up the phone. It's Laurel Rowan. I've got an injured dog that's in pretty bad shape here. She paused to listen. No, no, not one of mine. Carly and I found this dog while we were out riding. It's in pretty bad shape. She was tied to a tree, half strangled, and looks like she's been in a fight. What? No, there's no one around that we saw. As soon as we can get a ride, I'll bring her in. Thanks. Laurel handed the call and shoved the phone back in her pocket. Chance is coming. Carly joined her under the trees. Good, hey, did you bring any water? I bet she's dehydrated. Laurel squatted beside the dog again and reached out a hand. When the big dog did nothing more than roll an eye towards her, she stroked the dog's shoulder, running her hand gently over the ribs and down her spine. Laurel's gut clenched. Her exploring fingers found bumps and contusions, along with matted blood and open wounds. Hey, baby girl, it's okay now. We got you, she murmured. Here, Carly shoved a half bottle of water at Laurel. It's all I got on me. She hesitated before kneeling beside Laurel. How bad is it? Bad enough. Looks like someone beat the crap out of her before they dumped her here. The growl of tires on the gravel heralded an approaching vehicle. Laura glanced through the trees toward the road. Is it chance? Stay down, Carly, until we're sure it's him. Oh, God, you don't think whoever did this would come back, do you? What about the horses? Anybody can see them from the road. Carly turned pale. Don't freak out on me now. Just stay in the trees until we're sure it's chance. I don't think whoever did this cares enough to show up again. The crunch of tires on gravel slowed and a beat up brown pickup slowed to a halt where the horses stood ground tied on the opposite side of the fence. Carly, Laurel, where the hell are you? Chance stepped out of the truck, sounding annoyed. Here, Carly pushed through the trees toward her brother. The dog's in the bushes here. It's too heavy for us to move. Laurel's with her. Chance reached inside the truck and killed the engine before he stopped down the ditch and swung a long leg over the top strand of barbed wire. He followed his sister through the low bush and halted beside Laurel. What a shitty mess. you sure it's alive? He nudged the dog with a boot. Stop it, Laurel whacked Chance on the thigh. She's a wreck. I'd like to get my hands on the jackass that did this. Just two minutes alone with him in a baseball bat. Oh, come on, Laurie. You'd never do anything like that. Chance knocked her hat forward over her eyes. She pushed it back and tipped her head up to glare at him. Want to bet? And don't call me Laurie, she said between gritted teeth. Okay, okay. He stepped back and held up his hands. What do you want me to do here? Help us get her into the truck. I already called the vet clinic. they are expecting us. There isn't room for all of you. It ain't a little dog, for God's sake. And what about the horses? You can't leave them here. I'll take the horses back, Carly volunteered. Last thing I want to do is get in the truck with a hurt dog. Injured animals make me sick to my stomach. Tell mom not to worry, and I'll call her from the vets. Not Mrs. Rowan I'm worried about. It's your dad I don't want to run into. Carly stuck her hands in her back pockets. What do I tell them about where you are? I'll call mom on the way into town, and she'll take care of telling dad. He's a big old softy anyways, once he hears about this poor dog. If you say so, Carly said. I'm going to start back with the horses if you guys don't need me. I want to get home before it's dark. Laurie and Mika managed, Chance hunkered down beside Laurel and frowned at the dog. She rolled his eye, her eyes at his continued use of her hated nickname. Can you pick her up without hurting her too much? How do you know it's a girl? All I can see is blood and dirt, Chance squinted in the gathering shadows under the trees. Look at the teats, idiot. She must have had a lot of glitters. Laurel brushed yellow leaves and tawny grasses away from the animal's body. Well, sure looks like it, he agreed. Chance pulled a red bandana out of his jacket pocket and tied it around the dog's muzzle, securing it behind her ears. Laurel bit her tongue and didn't say anything. At least he was helping, and he was being gentle. Don't look at me like that, Laurie, Chance looked up at her from where he squatted by the dog's head. She's hurt, and it's going to hurt to move her. No sense adding a bite history to her problems. I guess, Laurel chewed her lip. If you can carry her to the fence, I can take her if you lift her over the wire to me. Sure. Chance shrugged and slid his arms under the animal's hips and shoulders. The dog made a strangled sound when he stood up. Son of a bitch, he's heavy for a skinny dog. He grunted and pushed through the bushes toward the road. Carly stood by the two horses. She swung up on her horse when Laurel emerged from the trees behind Chance. You're still here? I thought you'd be halfway home by now, Laurel said. I would have been, but there's something here you could see first, Carly sounded grim. What, it better be important. we got to get this much to the vet. Chance shifted the large dog in his arms and grimaced at his sister. The stupid things I get talked into by you two. You go ahead, Chance. I'll catch up by the time you get to the fence. Laurel moved to stand by Carly's stirrup. What did you find? There's another dog over there. Carly pointed to a thicket of diamond willow. The horses were over there and and I saw it when I went to get tags. She swallowed hard. Like one dead dog isn't enough for one day. There's another dog? What took you so long to say something? Laurel stalked toward the diamond willow. Laurel, don't. What if it's not dead too? Why didn't you... Yep. Her voice choked off. The tangled grass by her boots shone black with blood. And the remains of what once was a black and white dog lay in a crumpled nest under the bushes. Oh my God, she whispered, squatting on her heels. There was no hope this dog was alive. The mutilated flesh was covered in bites, half the face missing bone and muscle gleaming in the slanting sunlight. Floral She stood and whirled around, almost banging into the two horses. Sam's nostrils flared red and she put a hand on him to calm him. I want to kill whoever did this, Laurel ground out the words. I know, it just makes me sick. How could it happen? No coyote did that. Carly tightened her hand on tag reins. Laurie, what the hell's keeping you? This mutt weighs a ton. Coming chance, Laurel yanked her phone out and took pictures of the scene before turning away from the macabre mess at her feet. Take the horses home and tell Dad. We can't just leave the poor thing here. The least we can do is give it a decent burial. Should we call the RCMP or the SPCA? Carly backed the horses up and turned their heads toward the ranch. I guess, for all the good it'll do. Get mum to call the RCMP and Pinter. They can come look, but we need to be able to bury the body. I don't think there's much they can do, but I guess it should get reported. They'll know if we should contact the SPCA too. Lori, for the love of God, I'm going to leave you and this damn dog right here this a minute. Chance sounded like he meant it. Coming back, she took one last glance at the body, flies buzzing lazily over the rock flesh. She ripped off her jacket and laid it over the worst of the damage before running to join Chance, waiting impatiently at the barbed wire fence. No time, what kept you? Chance shifted the weight of the dog. Laura slipped between the two upper strands of wire, straightened up, and met his eyes. There's another dog, its feet up and dead. She reached out and took the wounded animal from Chance. And even though the animal was skin and bones, the weight made her stagger a bit. And Chance gripped the fence post and vaulted over the wire. Here, give it to me before you fall on your face. Annoyed at his assumption the dog was too heavy for her, and relieved at the same time to be rid of the weight, Laura let him take the burden. Long grass tangled around her ankles as she climbed out of the ditch and yanked the passenger door of the truck open. She grabbed a wool saddle blanket and spread it over the seat, stepping back in time for Chance to settle the dog on it. She put a foot on the running board and struggled to perch on the edge of the seat. You're going to have to put half of it on your lap, Laurie. There's no room. Chance got in the driver's side and reached around to shift the animal so she could slide under the head and shoulders. Okay, I'm in. Laura laid a hand on the dog's shoulder. The truck tipped a bit when Chance climbed in, grumbling under his breath. I don't know why I let you talk me into this. stuff. Got better things to do with my time. He depressed the clutch and turned the key in the ignition. Carly, okay about getting back to the ranch on her own? He glanced over his shoulder before doing a three-point turn on the narrow gravel road. Laurel bit her lip. I really do appreciate you coming to help us. There's lots of daylight left. Carly should get back before dark. The truck jumped forward once Chance had it pointed in the right direction. Don't like her out there on her own with somebody around to do that. He dipped his head toward the dog. She's on horseback and she can outrun anybody. And besides, I think whoever did this is long gone. Let's hope, Chance said grimly. Gravel spat under the tires when he slowed at the crossroads of the Range Road and the Township Road and then accelerated toward town. The familiar driving to Fincher Creek seemed to take twice as long as usual. Laurel shifted on the worn seat to ease a cramp in her leg and glanced at the speedometer. Chance, for shit's sake, slow down. You want to get to town before the mutt dies, don't you? I want to get there in one piece and not end up in the ditch, she glared at him. Chance tightened his jaw, a muscle twitching by his mouth. The truck slowed a little, not quite enough for Laurel's peace of mind, but she decided against saying anything. And he muttered something under his breath. "What?" she challenged him. "Nothing, Laurie. Ain't nothing. Just leave it be." The tense silence of the vehicle was shattered by a strangled half whine from the dog. And Laurel held on while the animal struggled to get up. One of her legs knocked Chance's baseball cap forward over his eyes, and the truck swerved. "Damn it, Laurie! Hang on to that thing, would you?" "I'm trying," she protested, tightening her hold on the animal. I knew this was a bad idea. Chance slammed his open palm on the steering wheel. Shut up and drive. gritted her teeth and managed just to do the dog. So chapter two is when they get to the vet. How much time do we have left, Sadie?
1: Um, yeah, we could read for a couple more minutes if you'd okay. like, or we can continue on with some. Well, okay, I had a little bit more. Okay. I just want
0: to make sure we weren't over time.
1: Yeah, no, it's okay.
0: Okay. Get the door, would you? Chance stalked up the walk to the vet clinic entrance. Laurel ran ahead and yanked the door open, standing back to let him shoulder past her. Hey, Amy, she greeted the vet tech come receptionist at the counter. Hey, yourself, this the dog you called in about? Amy was already opening the door to one of the exam rooms. You can bring her in here, Chance. Wait till I get a clean blanket before you put her on the table. I'll go let Dr. Sam know you're here. Amy covered the metal exam table with a thick cotton blanket before disappearing. Chance put the dog on the blanket and stood back against the wall, arms crossed over his chest. Laurel stayed beside the table, one hand on the animal's shoulder. She's looked up at the sound of footsteps. What do we have here? Dr. Sam Berglund entered the exam room. Chance? He nodded at the tall cowboy leaning on the wall. Doc? Chance tipped his head in acknowledgement. Carly and I were out riding and found her. We don't know how long she's been lying there. Well, let's take a look. Dr. Sam pulled on a pair of gloves. Amy joined him and Laurel stood back to let the vet tech take her place at the table. The dog roused yourself one more time while the vet probed a deep wound in the neck before subsiding again. It's not pretty, Laurel. Are you sure you want to foot the bill for this? What does your dad say about it? Dr. Sam stepped back from the table. I can't leave her like this, Laurel insisted. I can borrow against the money Grandma Bella left me. Can you just put this on the ranch account? Not without talking to Colt, I can't. You're not the legal owner of the account. Do you want me to call your dad or should I? What happens if he says no? Laurel moved closer to the dog. Two options. We can euthanize her, and based on her injuries, that might be a blessing in disguise. Or I can contact one of the local rescues and see if they'll take her as a surrender. Let me call Dad. Her cell phone ringing interrupted her. She pulled it out of her jacket and looked at the caller idea. It's Mom. Hey, Mom. She paused. Yeah, I'm at the vets now. Did Carly get back okay? She just got here, Anna Rowan told her daughter. How bad is this dog you two found? It's bad, Mom. She's pretty beat up and... I don't know. Dr. Sam can tell you better than I can. Please say we can help her, Mom. I can pay Dad back once I turn 18 and I can get the money Grandma Bella left me. That's a whole year away still, Laurel. You know this hasn't been a good year for the harvest. Early snow and rain at the wrong time earlier in the year. I'm not sure what Colt will say. Can you ask him, please? He's out right now. Put Sam on the phone, Laurel. A lot will depend on what needs to be done. Laurel handed the phone to the vet. Mom wants to talk to you. Hey, Anna, the doctor said. Yeah, it's bad. Looks like one of her legs might have to come off. We need to run blood chemistries, urinalysis, x-rays. And that's just a start. Depending on how much money you want to invest in this, it might be best to just let her go. Laurel fidgeted with the edge of the blanket before pacing back and forth in the small room while her mother and the vet discussed the options. Chance tucked at her arm when she circled by him again. Stand still, Lori. You're driving me crazy. She turned to glare at him and stopped at the sympathetic expression on his face. It's always tough, Lori. You know that. Sometimes you got to weigh the cost against the probable outcome. Would you say that if it was you on the table? She snapped. Be reasonable, Laurie. It's a dog. It who has as much right as anything else to a chance to survive. She shook her head. I don't know why I expected you to understand. Chance sighed and took off his cap and scrubbed his fingers through his hair. I do understand. Look, I've got some money saved for my winnings this year. I'll lend you what I can and you can pay me back whenever. Really? Why would you do that? You couldn't care less what happens to this dog. I don't care about the dog, but I do care about you, Laurie. His face flashed and he glanced around to see if Amy was near enough to hear them. If it makes you happy, then I will lend you the money. Thank you. Thank you. Laurel threw her arms around Chance and hugged him hard. His arms came around her, pulling her closer. He pushed the hair back from her face. The intensity of his gaze sent a small frisson of worry through Laurel, but she ignored it. He was going to lend her the money she needed to help the dog. That's kind of where I thought we would stop.
1: Hey, that was great. Yeah, the beginning of the book is starts. Off, it starts off pretty intense. <laughs> it does, it does, it does. But yeah, it kind but really, of drives
0: everything else that happens afterwards. So,
1: yeah, and it definitely, um, definitely hooks readers in. It hooked me for sure. I was just okay. like, I could not put it down. <laughs> okay, that's always nice to hear. Um, yeah. And like, when I was reading it, something, um, I noticed, cause I mean, I grew up on a cattle farm. Uh, my friends and my cousins had horses and went to shows, so, like I would take along. Yeah. Um, so the, the, just the detail in the book was just absolutely spot on. And I, I loved that so much. I was super excited to read a book that was so accurate. So I was just wondering, like, did you, um, draw like that information from like your own experiences like did you grow up on a ranch like were you around cattle and horses or did you just do a heck of a lot of research <laughs> I've had horses I've loved horses
0: my whole life when I was like 14 I worked at a riding stable I'm um, doing trail rides and all different kinds of things and I've had horses since I was 17 I got my very first horse
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, it was uh, a five-year-old ungalded male horse who um, had a really bad reputation and he bucked me off more times than I can count. And I stupidly kept getting back on him, but I had him for years and he was like the best horse once he quit bucking me off. Wasn't his <laughs> fault. Um, so I've showed, I've showed Western. I've showed um, like all the games. And um, then when we moved, uh, I grew up in Ontario and we moved West and uh, my son raised cattle well, uh, he was in high school to help pay for university, so we've had cattle, we've had, we raise pigs every summer, so I've chased pigs around the (laughs) yard because they have broken out, because they're very smart creatures.
1: They are, it's scary how smart they are. the best one was, there
0: was ten of them, and they had the end stall in the barn, and they had a little chute so that they could go out into the the back corral was theirs. And uh, they broke out, and I went out to the barn, and looked over the the half door and like 10 little faces went <gasps> and then they all ran back to their stall and out into the back corral. Like it wasn't us. It wasn't us. And the <laughs> worst part of it was that they, I had just bought, this is the worst part. I had just bought three inch hard nails and they had destroyed the barn. Like they took things apart and the nails fell through the cracks in the barn floor. And I was more mad about that than anything else. Cause oh. I them new nails.
1: Oh, that
0: is <laughs> so terrible. Silly, that's what it was. And, um, I did, have not barrel raced out here, but I was fortunate enough to be able to ask Dave Paulson, who um, is a colleague of mine, and I was able to ask him, like, is this correct? Have I got this part of it right? Because I've obviously never competed at the CFR because I'm far too old now. And so I wanted to make sure that I had that right. And so he was kind enough to help me with that part of it. So, But yeah, a lot of it is just drawn from from just life experience. And you know, being around horses your whole life, you kinda of, and dealing with the cattle that we had here, you kind of kinda of know how they think, sort of. As much as you can. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I know I was reading um sections that were talking about going to check the waters when there was the big a big storm, big snowstorm. Um, and I just related so hard <laughs> with that. You just go out and you're just elbow deep in ice water trying to get uh-huh. the waters to working again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: It's the last thing you want to do is run out of water and end up with colicky horses.
1: Yeah. Well, and our cattle just beat the crap out of our waters when they're frozen. <laughs> so it just makes it even harder to fix. Yeah.
0: Let's let's just break it into pieces so they can never fix it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So you had mentioned that you came up with the idea of this novel because it was something that had happened to one of your friends. Yes. And I was just wondering if you had kind of come up with the idea before the first book in this novel um, or if you thought about it after you had already been been starting to work on uh, wild horse rescue. Um, It it actually
0: happened after wild horse rescue, wild horse rescue um, released a year ago. Mm -hmm. And I'd been kicking around what I was going to do with the second novel in the series, because there's kind of a, a, an unresolved thing between Laurel and Chance, obviously. Um, They used to be really good friends when they were kids, like younger. And then as he grew up, he turned into a teenage cowboy bull riding teenager. And, you know, things didn't go quite so well. So and she also has um, she has a boyfriend that lives in in England, which is from the first there's another um, three sets of a series of three books that kind of is um, it's standalone, but it's the same people that are in this book. And it's set in Cornwall. That's called the Cornwall Adventures. So there's there's a little bit of there's a little bit of um, overlap there. So there's kind of this, you know, Chance really doesn't like the English guy, and he's back in England now, thank goodness. But there there's still some friction between them. So that's I wanted to kind of keep working through that. And uh, then I work um, at Alberta Animal Rescue Crew, and I was in at the shelter, and one of the girls. Uh, that does the cat caregiving, uh, also has horses. And so we always chat and stuff. And she had been out riding, and she had actually found a dog tied to a tree. Uh, It wasn't alive. It was dead. But I wanted my dog to at least have a chance. So I let her be alive when we found her. Um, And, yeah, it just kind of, that was the kernel of it. And then I just it just kind of took off from there and went on its own.
1: So So it was definitely
0: after uh, Wild Horse Rescue. But I knew I wanted to kind of keep that, um, kind of that, rescue theme through the, through that, um, through the series.
1: Mm -hmm. So do you, um, do you prefer like taking ideas or like experiences um, from like your own experiences or experiences from like family and friends and kind of molding them into a story? Or did that just kind of happen with this one?
0: That just kind of happened with this one. Lots of times I just kind of get, get, an idea, and and then my characters sort of take over and run with it, and I have to type fast enough to keep up with them.
1: <laughs> so, uh, in terms of writing style, you just kind of let it let it happen. Whatever comes out, comes out, and you edit later.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm I am like the world's best pantser. I just go. <laughs> I've tried, I tried doing the um, you know the uh, Scrivener, and I tried doing the plot this out, and yeah. And I would think, okay, well, this works and this works. And then as I was writing, my characters would like, go off in some totally different direction. And (laughs) I would go after them. And then the plot just changed and evolved on its own. So I don't do that anymore. (laughs) I just go.
1: Yeah, I wish I could write like that.
0: (laughs) Well, sometimes I wish I could plot it out better. but... But it's just, it's not. The only one I ever did was the first book in the Cornwall series. Because I had to... She, follow, she has to solve a riddle and she has to follow um, some earth energy lines across England. And so she had to be at certain points in certain points of the novel. And so I had to plot that one a little bit. But that one took me forever to write. So that's probably why. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, you know, pretty good experience. And I definitely have to check out that series. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's called The Cornwall Adventures. It's um, Laurel's. What is it now? Laurel's Quest. Step sideways and go gently, are the okay. three books. And um, she's she's younger in those books, obviously.
1: Okay, yeah, because they all that series takes place all takes place prior to yeah it does the events of the Alberta Adventures, right?
0: Yeah, it does.
1: Okay. Yeah, and
0: it's there's a lot more. Um, it's it's a lot more um, fantasy based. They they there's stone circles in Cornwall and they all kind of um, figure into things and there's Cornish Piskies and there's a, a Selkie and it's all kind of, it's, it's like same people, but totally kind of a totally different um, atmosphere to that series.
1: Okay. Do you, do you like writing with the same characters where you've already created them once and you just write stories based off of the per- their personality or do you like um, just creating the characters for new stories?
0: I like both kind of um, writing, obviously someone you already know is easier. And sometimes they, you know, you finish a book and and they're not finished and and they want to, they want you to keep going. And so I do that sometimes. And then um, I do have a contemporary romance series that starts with Storm's Refuge, which again is about a rescue dog. That's who Storm is. Um, But there's a whole bunch of characters, secondary characters in that book that really want their own story. And so eventually they will get written, but not at the moment.
1: <laughs> so you're just keeping not them in sure. mind. I'm sorry. So you're you're keeping them in mind for for future. Yeah, they're,
0: they're sitting there. It's 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 a ranching story again, and and yeah, it's a uh, a young. Well, she's not a young girl. She's a, a young woman who um, is managing the ranch while her brother is off in the oil rigs, and her kind of her father figure is the old vet in town. And a new vet comes in, and she really resents the change. And it, anyways, he ends up being her love interest. And it's actually that one's in Longview, in and around Longview. So, yeah. Okay. it's And there's a bunch of, like, the vet's wife in that story, the old vet's wife, is like the town matchmaker. <laughs> and so, yeah, I want to tell her story because she's quite the character. She does all kinds of things. She, she arranges for the two of them to end up at a... A concert at the East Longview Hall, and then she go. She sneaks out there and she rips off the distributor cap in in the girl's truck. So she has to get a ride home. With the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mary, Mary does all kinds of evil things to to make things work out the way she thinks they should.
1: Oh, that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, so it's kind of it's kind of fun when you you know you have secondary characters you can kind of build on it. It just makes like a cozy. It's not that they're um, it's not that they have to be read together, but they make like a little cozy community. Hmm. So you could read one book or you could read all of them and it, and it wouldn't really affect how you experienced each book.
1: Hmm. Um, I also just want to say again for, for everybody watching, um, if you have any questions, just type them in the chat as soon as you think of them and and we will get to them. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to type them first. <laughs> exactly. Um. So I'm curious, what kind of what the process like was what the process was like to get this book published since it brings to focus more like serious issues with, um, like dog fighting. I'm curious if there was any kind of pushback from your publisher.
0: No, I'm really, really lucky. I'm with a smaller um, Canadian house called BWL publishing Inc. And I've been with them, uh, since 2014, 2013. Oh, wow. And they're, they're, um, yeah, they're really um, accepting of uh, what I turn into them, basically. And uh, I've been really lucky with them. They're, they're very good. And they, I mean, they're smaller. So there's less budget for promotions and things. And you have to do a lot of that on your own. But they do do some promotion for you. And they've been very supportive. And, you know, it's it's, the books are available um, everywhere you can buy ebooks, obviously. And then there's there's also print available. So it's it's not one of the big five, but I'm good. I'm happy with it. <laughs> but yeah, no, they're, they're very, um, very accepting.
1: That's pretty great. Yeah, because I feel yeah. like it would be tough. Like there's lots of publishers that have strict guidelines of like, we don't take anything outside of this. And if you try yeah. to kind of inch your way in, they just push it back out. But it's good that you're they're with a publisher that, that accepts everything you're willing to throw at them.
0: Yeah, I mean, within reason, if I kind of went off on a yeah. tangent, of where I don't, in a genre I don't normally write in, they mm-hmm. might be a little more iffy about taking something just because it's hard. It's, it's hard to break into a new genre. You know, if I, if I went sideways and decided to write a mystery, which I have no idea how to write. So I'm not doing that, but, but it would be harder. It would be a harder sell to them if I did that.
1: Mm-hmm. than if
0: I just kind of write in the genres where I've been successful.
1: Yeah, so then they're a little bit more more trusting of, yeah, of what exactly. you're doing because they're like, oh, well, we've had good feedback before, so. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, so is this the publisher, like, have you been with them for most of your, your writing or are there some books that have been published under, with different publishers?
0: I started out with a publishing house out of Montreal called Muse It Up Publishing. And I was with them for probably a couple of years. And it just, the sales weren't great and I didn't always get royalty statements and I kind of, I just, um, I was invited to join, uh, it was called Books We Love at the time. It's since changed their name to BWL Publishing Um, and I was invited uh, to join them and so I got the rights back. I think they had three, two books of mine at that point and a a short story, uh, like a novella. And so I got my rights back and then uh, BWL publishing, republished them. And we just changed the names a little bit. Um, Laurel's Quest used to be Laurel's Miracle and uh, a step sideways used to be a step beyond But So they got new covers and and they, you know, it was two years later. So I was also two years better at writing. <laughs> so um, yeah, they got polished a bit more and we put new covers on them and and off we went. So I've been with, like, um, as far as the novels, the two publishing houses. The poetry I, I self-published because it's really hard to get published, um, like, a, a chapbook. I've been lucky enough to be included in some anthologies in the last couple of years, which is really cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, would you have any advice for, like, any authors who are maybe having issues with their publishers? Like, what they might be able to do um, in order to just get on better footing?
0: I think you have to have a, a kind of symbiotic relationship with your publisher. Like you need, you need to be comfortable enough to say to them, I I don't agree with this. And this is why I don't agree with it. Like you have to have good reasons, obviously it's not just, I don't like the color of something or I hate my editor, or, which is also a problem. That's a lot of um, issues sometimes is, is um, conflict between an author and an editor because that's such a, such an important um relationship because they have to understand where you're coming from and how you write and not change your voice while they're trying to polish or tighten your writing and that's that's a big thing is getting an editor who who you can work with and that's what a lot of problems are um it's hard it's hard because uh, you know the publisher basically owns your babies (laughs) once you sign that contract and some publishing houses are far more um strict about different things. And sometimes it's really hard to get your, your rights back if you need to. So I would say just open from the very beginning before you even sign a contract, just get a feel for how open they are to, to talking to you. And it doesn't mean that they are going to agree with everything that you propose or that you want, because they're not. But how willing are they to listen to you, basically? Mm-hmm. And if you are signing a contract, make sure there's an out Or what happens if the publishing house goes out of business? Do they have a plan for that? Because I've known people who had published with a a house and they went out of business, but there was no way to get their rights back because there was nobody to contact to get their rights. So the rights still belong to this publishing house. And I, I don't know, because it's never happened to me. I don't know if there's a certain period of time after a house ceases to exist that the rights will revert or... Or if that depends on what country you're in, whether it's governed by laws of the country, uh, but it, it's something for sure to look at in a contract.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I just have one little comment I'm seeing on YouTube. Um, it's Janice Brown just saying thank you, Nancy, for writing this story.
0: <laughs> uh, that that's actually the lady who um, found the dog. Oh. <laughs> that's actually the the my friend that found the dog. So yeah, she it's it was um it was one of those things where it just it fit with what I wanted to do with the next book and it was mm-hmm. it was like so perfect and I want just wanted to give cuz people aren't aware like because I work in animal rescue I I see a lot of things and I know a lot of things that general public doesn't and a lot of people associate dog fighting and dog rings with the US and the southern US and they do it does it is here it's in Alberta it's in Manitoba and in Saskatchewan and not obviously not to the same extent it is in the southern states but it does exist
1: mm-hmm.
0: and and it's really hard to pin them down because it's like you know it's like a little secret society and it's really hard and to pin it down and so I just wanted people to sort of be aware of that and, and if they saw you know hopefully if they see something that they think is odd they will tell someone about it.
1: Yeah, cuz I'm sure there's plenty of people who who see something they're like, "Oh, that's kind of weird," and then just continue on their way.
0: Yeah.
1: Or, um, or don't connect yeah, so,
0: it with anything because it doesn't it doesn't fit into what we think of as
1: normal. Yeah. Yeah, so I definitely agree with like like as a thank you for writing the story because it just kind of again brings awareness to to more issues yeah. that people need to be aware of.
0: Yeah.
1: Um so, you also, in your um, bio, that you you said you you've edited quite a few different manuscripts. Yeah. So, do you tend to go through like over your manuscripts like five or six times before passing it off to your editor? Well, I make sure it's really clean. <laughs> I make sure it's really clean. Uh, one of the
0: things that my publisher um, asks of her authors is that when you turn in a manuscript, it is pretty close to being ready. Like it always needs someone else's eyes because you can't nitpicky, edit your own stuff because you miss stuff because your eyes see what you think you wrote Mm -hmm. and you miss things. Like you miss the word the is missing or as missing or there's, you know, you miss a quotation mark and someone else's fresh eyes will see that where you've read it so many times that you don't. But she does ask that you turn in the manuscript better be pretty clean. Or she will definitely pitch it back at you. <laughs> you yeah, so no, I I've gotten um good actually at um editing a bit as I go. Like I have I have little flags that go up sometimes when I type words because I had a really bad habit early on. I, I used the word that a lot. Like a lot. And so now every time I type that word, a little flag goes up in my head and I'm like, do I really need that? And just little things like that, that you you kind of just learn that. And and I think every author has their own little idiosyncrasies that they have to be aware of as they're as they're writing. But I mean, the first draft, you just want to get it down
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then you just go back and fiddle yeah, with it. I
1: know, my word that I tend to repeat all the time and when I'm editing my own stuff, even though I'm like trying to like I'm going to school to be an editor that I always miss. I always write something. Hmm. Something. It's just everywhere. It's just peppered throughout everything I'm writing. It's just like
0: yeah. Every everybody has
1: that word. Everybody
0: has a word that that they use, or or you know. Then is another one. Lots of people like to start sentences with then. Yeah. As is a bad word, but you can't you can't say I never never use that either because there are times when you need to use it. Yeah. It's. Yeah, it's it's interesting sometimes when you, when you start. I have I have one girl, um, a friend of mine, and uh, well, she's a friend now, and uh, she hates to use the word was, and so she'll write this convoluted sentence to avoid using the word was. <laughs> it's quite funny sometimes. I always leave a little note and say, "You can say was here," because <laughs> you've used fifteen words to get around it.
1: Yeah, that's a. Uh, I feel like what university where it's like you have to hit this word count so you just start going back Mm -hmm. and just expanding as much as you can when you really shouldn't no it's like
0: NaNoWriMo just get
1: those Um, words we just got we just have a couple minutes left so if anybody has any questions please type them in the chat so we can um get an answer to you before we before we wrap up here um so I question just curious what kind of genres do you like reading because I know you you've written in, in quite a few different ones but what do you like to just to read I
0: really like fantasy I read a lot of Charles Lint, who's a Canadian author fantasy author he writes a lot of Celtic stuff and and sort of magic mystery magical mystery not mystery mystery but just um sort of that um esoteric stuff I love okay. his stuff um he has one called the Wildwood and I just I love that book with a passion. And I read a lot of Mercedes Lackey, um, which is totally, again, different. And Anne McCaffrey. Um, I also read Jack White. <laughs> it's very eclectic. My bookcase is, uh, yeah, full of all sorts of different things, but a lot of fantasy. And I and I do read um, YA stuff, a lot of YA stuff, just to kind of keep up with what's happening. and And, and because I enjoy it, too. It's just kind of fun. And and just because it says it's YA doesn't mean that adults don't enjoy it. Yeah. So it's just more the age of the characters that, de- that depict where it gets slotted in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, no. And mm-hmm. yeah, Jack White I like. And um, of course, I read Diana Gabaldon, like everybody else. Right? But <laughs> I've been reading her since the beginning. I'm not a Johnny Cup lately. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay um so it looks like we should be wrapping up here now okay um so i got to ask where do we get your book uh
0: they're available on amazon they're available through all kobo and all your uh apple books um all those uh they're available in print through um amazon as well and where else are they in print? There's somewhere else I can't think of where the print book is. But if you go to uh, bwlpublishing.ca and there's a whole bunch of authors down the side and click on my name, it will take you to um, all the buy links for all my books.
1: Oh, nice. It's Awesome. All neat in one place.
0: All in one place. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's much easier than, OK, there's this link and this link and this link. It's just um, I think it's I think it's books to read that does the linking. Okay. But it's on the website and it's just, if you click on a cover, it will take you to all the buy links for that book.
1: Okay. Well, that about wraps it up for us. Um, I'd like to give another thank you to the Rosé Foundation for making these readings possible. And I'd also like to give a huge, just ginormous big thank you uh, to you, Nancy, for the amazing reading. The book is fantastic. I recommend everybody pick it up. It's it's a it's a fantastic read. I I will read it again, and I'm going to read the rest of your books for sure. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank so you. So, if for, any
0: any final words? Just thank you for having me, and thank you for everybody that showed up. And it's great to be able to just kind of share stuff with people because we've all been kind of locked in with COVID, and you can't you can't interact with anybody. So this this has been really nice. So thank you very much, and thank you to the Writers Guild of Alberta as well for
1: for having me. Okay. Well, have a good night, everybody. Bye. Bye.